Wow. <sighs> okay, so. <clears throat> Who knows that um, God's in a good mood? <laughs> it's pretty happy about a lot of things, including you. Uh, he loves you. Uh, signature of heaven is love. Everything that he does is love. Everything that he... Huh, yeah, everything that he does is love. And everything that we do comes out of that place, that motivation. And the one thing I'd say is this, this is actually an anniversary for me today. <clears throat> Six years ago today, on the 7th of July 2013, I first walked through the door of what was then North Kent Community Church, based at the uh, Technology College at uh, Northfleet. And I walked into an atmosphere I didn't walk into a building. I just walked into God. <laughs> I'd spent 13 years in a previous, a different church environment. And I walked in that first time. See, it wasn't the building. It was a technology college. I walked into presence. I walked into a bunch of people that just happened to believe that what God said is true. Whose priority was presence and everything comes out of that place. Hmm. I, 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 I don't know how to explain this except that when you walk in somewhere and you feel freedom, you feel trusted, and you don't feel any suspicion the, as soon as you've set, set foot into a place, you know that has to be God. It was so funny, actually. Um, there's a lady that comes here. She, she came a week after I had started coming to, well, she just got Eastgate, and she'd been at the previous church that I was at, and she'd been involved in prayer ministry, and she was talking to some folk uh, who are involved in Sozo. And if you're not aware of what a Sozo is, it's a form of ministry that allows people to connect to the Father Heart of God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and uh, it's really effective. Anyway, she comes up to me a couple of weeks later. She said, Sasha, they've invited me to the leader's Sozo breakfast. I, yeah. She said, but they don't know me. They don't know who I am. I said, yeah, get used to it. They trust you here. The culture of heaven, the culture of honor is trust. I can't, I can't go on with that because I'll go way off what I was going to talk about. But suffice to say, the three years in school completely helped me to unravel and unpack what I had learned to move into a realm where you get to see this stuff is just not like because you've done school. This stuff is who you are. This is 101. This is Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. In fact, the things that I've done, you will do and even greater. The issue is that we don't believe him. Basically, because if we believed him, good question to ask. What would it look like if? I love that question. My question, the one that I, I kind of circle around and it's a good one, but I can't get away from is what would it look like if the bride fully embraced who she is? The love, the grace, the glory, the power, the majesty of who is in them. I don't think we'd see so much sickness in the world because heaven would be manifesting in greater measure. The folk that point the finger at God because they don't know who he is wouldn't need to point the finger at God anymore. Quite frankly, they could point it at us, in effect, saying, well, if you believe this to be true, then why are we not seeing it? 
But the beautiful thing is we are. <laughs> this is the beautiful thing. Actually, if you lift up your eyes and you start making use of social media for YouTube and other things, or other ways that you can find out about this stuff, you start feeding yourself on the testimony of what God is doing. He is doing incredible things around the world. It's just we get stuck in what we're not seeing. We get stuck in unbelief. We get stuck in disappointment. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, if you go to the website for Eastgate, it's great. If you go to the vision page, this is what it says. We live to see heaven on earth. Uh, if you're part of Eastgate, if you're part of the wider community, this is what you're signing up for. And it's beautiful. It's like this, we talk about this 40-year vision, uh, and it's kind of like 40 is not enough. <laughs> it's like this vision to see um, Eastgate as a catalyst for heaven on earth, for bringing the realities, the presence of God into our everyday. So, you know, it says our purpose is to be a worshipping community devoted to Jesus and reaching out to others with his goodness, love, and power. Yes. It says our vision is to be a church that actively extends the kingdom of God by the overflow of his love and power demonstrated through daily lives that transform individuals, communities, cities, and nations. We are world changers. That's because he said, go into the world. <laughs> Basically, he was saying, like, do the things, teach them to do the things that I did. Or you've been doing, teach them to do the things that I've taught you to do. And he kind of said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers. 101. So, this, the, the, what I'm going to talk about this evening is, is this thing of growing in the midst of mystery. It's interesting, I put this up on Facebook, got some ideas of what people thought this might mean. And actually it's really good because a lot of this stuff talked about the fact that we live in the realm of mystery because we live in the kingdom and mystery is part. If we can tie down everything, we can tie God down to a theology where we can just work it all out, then um, I don't want to know that God. He's infinite and eternal. <laughs> So the on earth as it is in heaven, preceding that is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So his will is not a mystery in many senses. If you know what's available in heaven and it's his will on earth as it is in heaven, there is no mystery about healing. If we just take that as an example, because basically we know that Christ was the express image of God, that effectively he said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Everybody that came to Jesus was healed. You didn't ever hear Jesus turning around saying, terribly sorry, it's not your time. <laughs> the whole thing about salvation is, in, is interesting because the word salvation, sozo, I mean saved, healed, delivered. So we don't go up to anyone and say, like, okay, so <clears throat> what do I need to do to be saved? I'm sorry, it's not your time. <laughs> do you ever say that? So how is it we've separated out that from healing? How is it that we get to say to people, it's not your time? Could it be that that's coming out of a place of disappointment? 
of a theology that we've been taught for various reasons. And there's not time to go into the various theologies and ways of thinking. But suffice to say that when Jesus was walking the earth, the expectation was that 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 would happen. And when the, the disciples were walking the earth, and then also when we move into Acts... You've got this thing that Paul's walking past, sorry, Peter's walking past and people are getting healed by the shadow and it says that people have bought and like basically everyone was being healed. So we don't have the right to tell people it's not their time. It's as simple as that. What we need to deal with, the unbelief, the difficulties that we have because we've been taught along the way that it's not possible when he says it's possible. The interesting thing is, what I love is that we've got Joe, you've what, been saved two years you're coming into an environment where you're being told this is possible. You're not going to have to unpick years of thinking that says it isn't. You're going to fly. You are absolutely going to fly. We've got children in the children's work here, world changers. They come up this morning and, um, okay, this is what God's going to do in the main meeting. That means that they've been thinking about us downstairs. We have the children being baptized this morning and <laughs> it's like, I can prophesy. Like, God gives me pictures and I can prophesy. And they've got half, probably half of us sitting there going like, if only I knew that at that age. They're not going to be told you can't do that. The expectation is, actually, you can, and therefore it's abnormal. To come across someone who doesn't think they can, it's abnormal. And that's kind of the place that we find ourselves, my own personal journey over the 10 years, 11, 12, 13 years, and then finally meeting someone who said it's possible and just changing, choosing to change the way that you think. Face the fact that we don't believe, choose the word, choose to change the way we think, we repent. We just say, okay, I simply choose to believe what you say is true. It's simple. It is that simple. But it does require us facing pain. And it does require us facing full on, front on disappointment. And allowing the vulnerability to say, I don't know. Pride wouldn't allow us to do that. Religion doesn't allow us to do that because there has to be an answer. Because God has to be boxed in a particular way. (laughs) There are four core convictions, if you like, that go along with on earth as it is in heaven. And that's around the goodness of God. He's in a good mood. That nothing is impossible. That Jesus has paid for everything and our identity. And one of the things that you learn as you go along is your identity, couple it with intimacy with God, then you get to make the impact because you have the courage to take the risk because it just doesn't matter. When you know that you're loved, when you know, I mean, oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm just going to stop, right? Okay. Every single one of us, I don't understand this. This is like mystery, okay? I don't understand this, how every single one of us has the fullness of Christ in us. Try and get your head around that. (laughs) It's much better just to go, okay, your word says that Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I'm just going to choose to believe right now that there's a party going on inside of me. (laughs) Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, Spirit, come alive to God. There's a party. And we just have to tune into the fact that he's present. And he wants to get out. And he wants to do the things that he said he wants to do, that on earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) 
I um, I kind of had a bit of a, a moment a couple of years ago where I started thinking about mystery, and I, I it's just something that a couple of folk were saying about mystery, and um, that something had happened, and they said, "Oh, you know, you know, that's a mystery," and it appeared in a way in their language that they were walking away from disappointment. They were walk- something that is expected to happen didn't happen. And they, walk, they were walking away from it. And this thing that was expected to happen was in line, line with the word of God. It was in relation to uh, healing. And it, it didn't happen. So, you know, it's, it's a mystery. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't, why don't I like what you're saying? And, and so I, I kind of... <laughs> I just, it was something about what they were saying. See, mystery is part of the kingdom... But there was something that they were saying that just it didn't sit right. So I kind of started thinking about it. And oh, this is so funny. When I was at school, um, the beautiful thing about school is you have more prophetic words coming out of your ears or whatever that you can kind of cover. It's brilliant. You just write them down. You live in them. And you kind of... Uh, the beautiful thing is about prophetic words is you actually get to journey into them. So someone said... Actually, we were in worship. And he said, like, um, yeah, I see you're going to write books. I went, right? <laughs> And then like a little while later, someone else said, yeah, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with that? <laughs> so I thought, well, I, I, what I'm going to do is I started a blog. And I thought, I don't know kind of like how that's going to work, but I suppose what I'll do, act in faith and just do something about it. So I started blogging. And uh, it's a bit sporadic. And um, so this thing that got me thinking about mystery so what I'm planning on doing this evening is I'm, I'm looking at growing in the midst of mystery. And I'm going to read the blog. And then I'm simply going to take little aspects of it. And I just want to take us on a little bit of a journey. And it's really some of my thoughts. And you don't have to have the same thoughts. You know, it's really probably good that you don't because we're not all the same. So ah, something has got me thinking. Mystery is part of the kingdom. Mystery is defined as something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. That's the dictionary definition. But there are powerless ways of thinking, believing that God may or may not act, and that the outcome is entirely down to his sovereignty. But within the culture of a community of believers who are intent on bringing the realities and resources of heaven to every place that they go, I believe that there is a subtle but just as troubling way of thinking which can lead to the powerless action of throwing everything that we don't understand into a mystery pot and leaving it there rather than continuing to seek these things out. I see a danger of moving from mystery being part of life in the kingdom and an invitation to grow in faith to it being a label that we put on things that just don't seem to be working out as expected or as promised and a way of spiritualizing our unbelief. It's the language of disappointment, abdication, and pessimism, which is the bedfellow of hopelessness. The truth is, we're not called to settle in that place. We're to continue to grow in faith, to adventure further off-road into these realms. To grow in faith means to relinquish the right, if that's the best phrase, for the need to understand, accepting that mystery is part, sometimes painfully so, of life in the kingdom. The comforter will do just that. 
And he reminds us that if all things were to work out for good, it should follow that if it's not good, it's not the end, and therefore we may need to shift our perspective. We live in a place that has no end from eternity, whilst at the same time physically existing in time. We have the joy of going on adventures with Holy Spirit as he leads us further into the realms of wisdom and revelation. He equips us to delve deeper into what is available and fills us with courage to take risks, (laughs) to see more of the reality of the love, power and goodness of God released to the world around us. We are invited to more than we can possibly imagine. Let mystery be fuel for the journey ahead. So I wrote that and it was my way of trying to get on paper, get down this thing that I was circling around. And what I realized was that powerless thinking isn't necessarily our issue anymore. When you go after on earth as it is in heaven, you believe that it's his will uh, to bring, that heaven would be manifest on earth and what's in heaven should be here. His will has been revealed in those areas. The powerless thinking aspect isn't so much of an issue around the sovereignty of God because we know that we get, we are commissioned and we get to partner with him. He's a really good dad. It's so exciting. He's a really good father. We're his kids. We're like sons and daughters. And we get to do stuff that you couldn't even imagine. That's, but yeah, like you spend years maybe in, 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 in your thinking Christianity going like, a bit like Janice and not on uh, actually what you were saying, Fiona, with, with, with Janice talking about maybe sharing the good news with a few folk. I had that experience of work. I was like, I felt powerless. And then all of a sudden you realize, ah, (laughs) there's more. And that requires heaven being expressed through you. But the fact is, we can't make this stuff happen. (laughs) You can't heal anybody. I mean, he says heal the sick, but you can't. But we, like, he can, and we can, because he's in us. It's really cool. (laughs) But there is this thing of this powerless action. What I call the powerless action of throwing everything we don't understand into this mystery pot. And we just leave there, leave it there. and think, oh. So here's the danger with that. This is, this is my thinking around this. That mystery is life in the, part of life in the kingdom and is to be embraced. And it is this invitation to grow in faith. When something doesn't happen the way that we expect it to, with promise, we have a word, we have a prophetic word, we know God's will in a particular area, that is not the mystery as such. The mystery is, how is it that if you've promised this, we're not seeing it? I don't know if I'm explaining this. It's, it's, it's so subtle. It's, it's... You have a label called mystery. And you can attach it to something that didn't happen. And it's okay to have a mystery pot. It really is. It's okay to have that place where you park things. What's not okay is what we can do and tend to do is when we then walk away. And we stop continuing to... to Pursue that thing because it's too painful. 
That's the issue. That's the issue. And that's what I want to talk about. It's not wrong if we park it. But if we don't confront disappointment, it will remain parked. And by nature, it being remain parked, we stagnate. We fail to continue to grow. We have this gift, this seed of faith. And it's beautiful because we get to grow in relationship with him. And I just want to kind of touch on things that can help us to grow in faith and see heaven come, see his presence manifest in ways that you can't even imagine. Because the language of disappointment leading to this thing almost of abdication. So John 15, verse 16. John 15, verse 16. Jesus said, look, you didn't choose me. (laughs) I chose you. And I have appointed you to bear fruit, good fruit. Fruit that will last. And here's the bit. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. John 14 as well. He says, just ask in my name and we'll do it. He appointed us to go and bear fruit. This is so exciting. The issue is, in disappointment, if it's not dealt with, we become disappointed. there's this sense in terms of abdication that word means when you relinquish a responsibility could it be that we could see what we've been given to be so precious that we wouldn't we wouldn't we would I know that I'm dealing with disappointment here so I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying and I'm going to get on to how I believe we can get through this. But we have an incredible responsibility. It's like, wow, you mean that you have given us, if you look through Colossians, um, a number of other scriptures about all things. He has given us all things. Here's, here's even more of an amazing fact. You know that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, yeah? It talks about our lives being sealed by the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of what's to come. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's kind of like God himself. God himself has guaranteed everything that he's said. Everything is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Absolutely everything has been guaranteed. We don't lack anything and we get to go and do amazing things. We get to hear from our Father. And this isn't just about doing things. This is also about our relationship with him because that's where it all comes from. (laughs) We have this responsibility to bring heaven to earth. The corporate thing we're talking about, you know, a regional catalyst, but actually how that happens is that we get to do that. We just get to be. We get to turn up at work. We get to turn up and work and see colleagues healed. <laughs> ah, ah, I've got one colleague. I, I work for the NHS. And uh, I'm clinical. And 
One of my colleagues had a hip problem. I told this story before, but uh, she's got a pain in her hip, and we're in a busy area. It may not be appropriate to lay hands on a person, and quite frankly, we don't need to a lot of the time. That's the really fun thing as well. When we start to realize who's in us and what gets to happen, we start paying attention to things happening around us, and we're like, oh, sorry, did you just get healed? <laughs> Wow, who knew? Because um, Jesus loves people, you see. So anyway, I'm, I'm there and, and she's like, well, um, you know I've said like I have Jesus in me. Yes. Um, can you imagine that I'm a jug? <laughs> Full of love. And uh, she said, yeah. Now bear in mind that she doesn't know who Jesus is, but she's on a journey because you, when you're at work, who you are on a Sunday it's, it's so much easier just to be who you are on a Sunday in your workplace. Being two people is quite difficult and get confusing. Just, just go with it. He, he'll, he'll leak out of you anyway. Um, so, um, <laughs> so, so she went, yes. So I just said, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna pour God's love over your hip. <laughs> so I just lent. And after about 30 seconds, she looked at me and she went, oh, You've done it again. <laughs> the pain had disappeared from her hip. And for those of your nervous disposition, yes, I did tell her it was Jesus. But explain to me how I can tell a patient who's walked into the clinical room in pain and walks out out of pain for unknown reasons. I can't shout down the corridor. Oh, by the way, I think that was Jesus. How comfortable are we that Holy Spirit is very, very good at his job and that he's chasing people down and that we just start worrying so much about the religiousness of what we do but just be free to express who he is in us, just allowing him to flow out of us. When we become less worried about making sure people knew it was Jesus, of course we tell people who who it is if we have the opportunity But when you're walking along the road and you see someone, oh oh gosh, I can't go down this road, it's going to take too long. Suffice to say, (laughs) no, I'm going to have to stay on track here. But I think some of these things can challenge some of our belief systems that challenges unbelief. And that's what I want to do. Because actually this is about a God who is a good God, who loves us and wants to see us fully expressing who we are fully understanding who he is in us and through us. So we go on this amazing adventure with him that's full of joy, full of hope, full of peace. (laughs) I spoke about hope a few months ago, about irrepressible hope. And effectively, (laughs) we've got to understand that we have an enemy. And there's this battle. The battleground is actually for hope. I spoke about it a few months ago, and I'm not going to recap the lot. (laughs) That would take too long. But suffice to say that hope being the life source of faith, the enemy wants to sow seeds of doubt, fear, anxiety, discouragement, disappointment. But when we're facing disappointment, whose is the loudest voice? Is it the enemy or is it the one who came to give life abundantly? So we're not called to settle in this place of disappointment. We're not called to settle in that place when things don't appear to be going the way we expected. We've got an adventure to go on. 
And we're going to be growing in faith. And that means relinquishing the right. It does mean relinquishing the right to kind of know everything. The need to understand. The best, the best statement I can think of, Mark 9, the guy whose son uh, just wasn't getting healed. And it's like, I believe, help my unbelief. That's honest. That's really honest. So believe means to think to be true, to trust. Unbelief, when you look at the biblical definition of it, it's wavering faith. It's not that he didn't have, but it's actually wavering faith. This is the point. When we're facing things that don't appear to be going the way we expect, we're situation, situation facing disappointment, our faith may be wavering We may be in a place of unbelief. That in itself is okay too, as long as we see that we don't stay there and we're able to see that that's where we're at because that's the journey. We're going on this journey where we're like, I absolutely believe this to be true, but in this area of my life, I'm not too sure. But it's the same God. It's the same journey. Recently, I've been sat with people, and it's funny how sometimes you've got something on your heart, and God just draws your attention to people that you've known for a while, and even you know their backstories. Now, I've got permission to talk about the stories, but I'm not going to use names, and it's not going to be too identifiable. But people that I'm sort of involved with alongside through um, various things that are going on here that are facing mystery in the terms of three people a couple and someone else lost friends to motor neurone disease within days of each other. Now, we're sat around a table where we're discussing how we can impact healthcare, not just regionally, nationally, but across the world. We're, we're sat around a table where we've got these dreams and these hopes, and in that moment, three people sat around that table are talking about loss, disappointment, we sat there and I sat and I just, it was almost like I was sat back from myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're sitting in pain. We're actually sitting in pain right now. We're facing something that doesn't look like heaven. And we were able to talk about it. There was no hiding, there was no stiff upper lip, there was no stoicism, denying of what we're feeling, because that's an enemy of faith. That will lead straight down the path of unbelief. That will not get you out of disappointment. There's this thing about the stiff upper lip that we have. It's like, oh, no, it's okay. No, 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 it's fine. God is good. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yeah, he is good. And he's that good that he wants to be able to mourn with you. He's that good he wants to weep with you. He wants to cry with you through other people and through himself. He actually wants to come alongside you and go, yeah, I know. This doesn't look like the way it should look. So we sat around the table, and I sat back, and then one of them just said, but God, my God, oh my gosh, but God, it's all it takes. See, here's the thing, on earth as it is in heaven, here's the thing that we're going after. Here are the things that circle around it. God is good, nothing's impossible, we're significant, our identity, and that Jesus paid for everything. 
And amongst all of that, we have to embrace the mystery that comes with it. But here's, here's the thing. So on earth as it is, and is our central vision. In that moment, sat around that table, we were facing disappointment. We were facing hurt, confusion, and pain. But that wasn't the central focus. Somehow, we get to actually take that thing and shove it aside. Anything that gets in the way of your vision of God, that's, that you means that you're not looking at him face to face, into the eyes of love, needs to be shifted. Because disappointment will never take you as far as he wants to take you. It will never take you into the realms of glory, into the realms of his presence. So you get to actually go, okay, in this moment, I choose to say, I love you. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why this has happened, but I'm going to shove this disappointment over here. I'm not ignoring it, but I'm going to look at you in the face. And I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to give you the honor and the glory and the beauty that you deserve. deserve. And then here's what happens. See, in Galatians 5 verse 6, it basically talks about Really, the, the background to this is there's this, this thing about contention for the purity of the gospel, that other things are being brought in. This is the background. It's not relevant necessarily to what I'm going to say. But Paul just gets to the point where he says, look, circumcision or no circumcision, the only things that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love always trusts, always hopes. We get, this is the beautiful thing in disappointment, here's the choice we have. We get a moment where we can protect our relationship with a good, good father. Where we get to say, in this moment, I don't understand. See, faith is not necessarily demonstrated in the big public moment. Faith is more likely to be demonstrated in the moment by moment, thousands of tiny moments and decisions every day throughout our life that just says, irrespective of circumstances, I choose you. I choose you. I make the decision that I'm going to protect my relationship with you because this doesn't look like you. I choose you. I'm going to move this aside so I can get a full-on view of your eyes, that my eyes will lock onto yours because I know that you're good. I choose you. I refuse to bow to the circumstances. We refuse to bow to the situations that do not reflect who you are. It's those thousands of unseen tiny moments of trust. They create this foundation upon which great exploits are birthed. (laughs) It's just incredible. Faith is trust and it's seeing with the eyes of hope, seeing from the unseen realm, seeing from heaven towards earth. If you've got uh, your Bibles, if you want to turn, turn to John 11. I'm, uh, I'm just going to bring this. I'm going to bring this into a close over the next five minutes or so. And actually, what I'd like to do is I, I'm going to share an encounter that I had at the end. And I'm going to invite you to enter into that encounter. John 11, we've got verse 17. Great, yeah. So we know this story, and often we say we know the story from the beginning to the end. We know that Lazarus 
is raised from the dead. Um, I'm not interested in Lazarus, quite frankly, in this story right now. Um, I have to say, to make my point, it's not about Lazarus. You'll be glad to know. It's just a slightly different slant on this one. Uh, it's not about Mary, and it's not about Jesus. <laughs> Who could it be about? It's about Martha. Mm. Do you remember the Martha that Jesus is saying, look, you know, Mary has chosen the better thing. And uh, so Martha, for me, is a hero in this story. And it's just a few things that she says that for me I think is possible to use as an illustration as to what can happen when we're invited to grow in faith. So, Jesus has turned up. Mary and Martha have been together. They'd sent for Jesus. He's shown up and Lazarus is dead. I don't know too much about the cultural realities of that time. I've got a fair idea. The two women and a brother, so the male would have been the provider for the household. They have just lost their brother. They are in pain. And do you know why it might be even more painful? Because they spent time with Jesus. They know what happens when he shows up. When Jesus is around, people are healed. People feel freedom. People feel joy. People are released out of their bondage. When Jesus shows up, the dead are raised. All of this stuff happens, and they've got a relationship with Jesus. He seemed to like Bethany. If you look at it, you study it out, he spent a lot of time there. And also this phrase, Lazarus, the one that you love. um, Marjorie? (laughs) So um, Martha, who's the sister of Marjorie, who's the unknown one, (laughs) silent one. Um, Martha, Martha is sitting in pain. She's disappointed. She walks to Jesus and she says, Jesus. If you had been here, my brother effectively would not have died. If we just stop it there, here's the reality. She knows that if Jesus had been there, that's incredible. Just think about that. Do we have that same assurance? It's interesting. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I love what she says next. But I know that even now God will give you what you ask. She's in pain. She's acknowledged the pain. She's disappointed. She's, conf- she's not confronting Jesus. She's, she's just saying, hey, Jesus, this, this is the fact. And I'm in pain here. She's sitting in pain. And at the same time, she's saying, but I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus basically says, yeah, no, he'll, he'll raise from the dead. And it's amazing because she has this um, idea, this future hope of being the people being raised in the resurrection. But he's just about to bring this thing that she has hope for. So she's in hope. She's facing disappointment. She's in hope. She has a belief and faith that it's possible for Jesus to ask and he'll, this stuff will happen. Or something will happen. And this thing from the future is being brought forward. She doesn't realize it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. So you've got sitting in pain, disappointment, remaining in faith, hope. And then we move further forward and also acknowledging that he is the son of God, the Messiah. We move further forward to the point where Jesus is about to roll away the stone. And Martha's a little bit concerned (laughs) about the smell. It's four days, four days. And this is the thing that he says to her. John 11, verse 40. 
Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you means that they'd had conversations about this. This isn't a one-off statement. This is a statement of intimacy and friendship that says, Martha, do you remember like I said to you, like if you believe, if you think to be true, if you place your confidence in, Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. The glory of God being of nature, his, his will, his ways. And yes, we know that they're just about to see the glory of God manifest. In fact, that Lazarus is raised. But here's the beautiful thing about that word, see. It means, when you look at it, to become acquainted with through experience. Martha, didn't I say to you that if you believed, you would get to know me better? You'd become acquainted with glory. You'd become acquainted with through experience. And here for me is a key. That's our invitation. That we're forever going from glory to glory. Here's the invitation to become acquainted with him. His nature, his ways, who he is. So, Holy Spirit leads us further into the realms of wisdom and revelation. Into the knowledge of him. Of who he is. Colossians, verse 1, 9 to 12. I love this. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God will fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. Strengthened us with all power, according to his glorious mights, that you may have great endurance and patience. We can't do this on our own. We weren't meant to. We should never need to. The stiff upper lip doesn't work. (laughs) The self-reliance doesn't work. He equips us to delve deeper. And mystery is the fuel for the journey. It should never be the stumbling block. It's fuel for the journey. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is a work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. For all generations. And here's where we come back to this thing of on earth as it is in heaven. We have a finite time. We have an opportunity to see beyond the now, to the future, to the generations. We have an opportunity now to face disappointment. And deal with unbelief. 
and actually start to repent of those ways of thinking, to change the way that we think so that we can see more of heaven released. We have that opportunity because this isn't about us. (laughs) This is about the generations to come. This is about earth looking like heaven. This is about a loving father who goes to extraordinary lengths to get our attention in the first place through salvation. And then we'll continually go through extraordinary lengths to get our attention so that earth looks like heaven. So like right now in this room, all of heaven is manifest because we're here. But how much of that are we reaching and taking a hold of? We are called to dream again. And that for me is what this is about. And that's where I want to leave this. I had a, um, I had an encounter in, in some woods, <laughs> in some woods. <laughs> so basically, um, some friends have a property. It's a dream, and they operate in levels of faith that are just great, it, just inspiring. They inspire atmospheres. They bring faith into the atmospheres. And I had the opportunity to have a walk around their their grounds, and um, I, I'm walking down the down the lawn and I, I, I step over and here's the woods and I literally take one step into this woods and all of a sudden I can only explain it like my spirit just went there was no it was like it expanded beyond I can't even explain it it was beyond the physical boundaries of my body it expanded it was my spirit who is who is without limit because he's in us and as I stepped down this pathway, I literally started weeping because all of the objections, all of the reasons why things couldn't happen disappeared. It wasn't like I was trying to make this thing happen. I literally stepped into a realm of faith where it wasn't just impossible, it was inevitable. And I was weeping. Daz, I was walking along this pathway and I went back into the house and I told them, I said, look, this has happened. I mean, I've just had an encounter with God in your woods. And they were great. They said, well, look, we're going away for a couple of weeks, and um, why don't you just come and spend some time? So I did. <laughs> it was this time last year. And I, I, I went back, and I, I sat in this chair, and the same thing happened. And I started to ask the question, what would it look like if... All of the reasons why I felt things couldn't happen, the disappointments, things that hadn't happened, they completely disappeared in that moment. And here's the thing about disappointment, just as a side issue on this one's really fun. (laughs) It's so subtle that sometimes you don't even know you've been circling around it. One Sunday, I'm sat here, people are enjoying the presence of God, it's meetings finished. And I'm sat just watching, but I'm not really engaging. I'm having this moment of, that's nice for you, but stuff's going on, being honest. And uh, someone came along and said, um, oh, would you mind praying for my shoulder? And I said, not really. <laughs> like, the response was great. They didn't seem to respond. So one or two things happened. One, they're either really gracious and really loving, and they've got identity down perfectly, or angels some clamped something around their ears so they couldn't hear it, because this, this came out with quite a force. No, not really. I thought, oh my gosh, it's not like trying to shove it back in my mouth. And I stuck my hand on their shoulder, 
And yay, God, their shoulder got better. And this is wonderful and beautiful and it's fantastic because, do you know why? Because in that disgusting attitude, <laughs> which, I mean, it was, and I'll explain it a bit, but it wasn't great, you know, um, that happens. And I sat there and I'm like, what was that? What was that? And he's like, I'm like, and I realized I've been circling around disappointments and things and I didn't realize that I'd failed to do that thing I told you about earlier on, you know, like move the disappointment away so you can see his face. And I've been circling around this and it was no longer on earth as it is in heaven. It was disappointment. And I was like, God, I just want to stop. I just want to rest a while. And that came out of we're going after things you can't quantify. This stuff you can't physically quantify. It's the unseen realm. I was like, I just want to stop a while. And he said, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can, but you need to do it with me. It's okay, but you need to do this thing. You need to face the disappointment. You need to face the pain with me. You need to be able to hear my voice so that when it's time to get up and go again, (laughs) you hear my voice and we get out on the water together and you get to dream again. So that, for me, in the woods was a breakthrough. And that's what I'd like to do now for you. Um, it's an invitation to, to enter into an encounter where I imagined, I was thinking about this earlier, and it's almost like you, you, we carry it maybe like a backpack. So there are probably, maybe some of, you, some of you here are thinking, Actually, I'm not feeling this right now, I'm pretty good about life, this is cool. Squad don't have any unbelief in my life at all. This is, this is good. Um, but I think uh, <laughs> the reality is we're on a journey. And if we could just be honest, and being honest about these things isn't lacking faith. It's actually, there's a fine line. We don't circle around it. We don't spend our life in it. We don't focus on it. We're focusing on earth as it is in heaven. We're focusing on him. But if we could just be honest and say like, when I was asked to pray for that person who had that condition, the first thought that went through my head was, whew, I'm not sure about that. That's okay, because it's not about us anyway. And it's not just about healing. Any and every area of our life that's not looking like heaven right now, where there might be an area of disappointment, hurt, and pain, we get to actually get that backpack, and we get to hand it over. And what I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to do was through, through encounter, is just allow him to talk to you about that stuff and get you to leave it, you can get it to leave it there. And enter into the realm of not just the impossible, but the inevitable, into the realms of faith. And that's kind of uh, what we're going to do. So I'm just going to give my iPad to uh, Mark at the back. And then uh, we're going to get on and do that. If, um, if you uh, need to go, do we have cake downstairs? today yeah. so not that I'm com- com- competition between encounter with God and cake although there is a close similarity they're both glorious um, the, this, this is an environment where I don't feel you have to sit and wait for it all to finish um, if you need to be away you need to get away please do uh, it's a beautiful thing about this place you can go um, you really can so if you feel that you'd like to leave, you feel that you need to go, then please do. Um, and, uh, yeah. So what I want to do is, if you're able just to uh, 
close your eyes. This, I don't know if this may not be familiar for some people, um, but in just closing your eyes, um, I'm just going to invite Holy Spirit, Father or Jesus, whoever it is that you find that you connect with the easiest, to meet you. And what I saw was he was meeting you at the entrance to a wooded area. going to take a moment <laughs> I kind of just see he's got this huge smile on his face it's like oh man you're just about to have an amazing time So whatever it is that is the objection, the issue, the invitation is to take that into that place, to hand it over to the one that paid for it and allow him to encounter you with his love, his grace, his beauty, his presence, his pleasure over you, his absolute delight over you. The signature of heaven is love. And he wants to write that over your life right now. So I'm just going to allow you just to enjoy him. of the Holy Spirit. This is like a power encounter where he encounters you with his power, infusing courage, hope, the ability to endure, (laughs) redeeming that word. It's glorious because we do it with him. So Jesus, thank you that in this moment the invitation is to step forward into destiny, dreams being released. The what would it look like if question. What would it look like if? Hmm. Thanks, sir.